book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 32. We're going to look at it in the Amplified Version. I'm going to bring a message to you this morning called, In Your Control. In Your Control. Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your goods, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, Young's literal translation says this. It is your father's good pleasure or gives him great delight to give you the rain. Everyone say the rain. rain. Now the rain there is the R-E-I-G-N, which speaks of kingdom dominion. When God made man in his image in the beginning, he made man and gave them dominion. Man was not created to be dominated or to be ruled over, but man was created for dominion. Man was created to have authority. In Romans 5 and 17, it says that you and I, through the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, will reign in life as kings through Christ Jesus. And so, I am looking at a congregation today filled with king's kids. No matter what circumstance you may be in right now, God has got you and he desires for you to reign in life. Amen? Amen? So take heart and be encouraged in the fact that no matter what might be going on in your life, you're a child of the king And you don't come behind in any area of your life. You are not inferior in one way or the other. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. He does not see us according to eyes of the flesh. He sees us in Christ Jesus. Like I said during the offering, he sees us all as tens. Now, it's one thing for him to see us that way, but how are we seeing ourselves? Amen? Amen? It's very important to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And one way that we can accomplish that is take ownership of that. Or acknowledge that. And declare that on a regular basis in your life. For example... In Philemon verse 6, and there's only one chapter in Philemon, but in verse 6 of the book of Philemon, he says this, that the communication of your faith might become, what? Effectual. That word effectual literally means divinely energized. How would you like your faith to be divinely energized? Well, it tells us how that this can happen. By the acknowledging or taking ownership of, by the declaration or by the confessing of every good thing which is in you, but not apart from Him. Which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. When you came out of the world, you were brought into the kingdom and the king came on the inside of you. You're no longer in yourself. You're in Christ. Man, that's good news. 
Your righteousness is not an earned or attained by your own works. You're righteous in His sight because He made you that way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, He that is joined unto the Lord has become one spirit. He that is born again becomes a new creation in Christ. And that old things are passed away and that all things have become new. Think about it. God doesn't see you in you. Thank God. God sees you in Christ. He sees you in His Son. And He likes what He sees. God don't make no junk. You are created in Christ Jesus. You are His workmanship. You are His masterpiece. You are a piece of the Master Himself. Now that will change the way you act in life. That will change an inferiority complex. That will remove a spirit of rejection. It will. When you know who you are in Him, and the way that He sees you, and you know that you are accepted in Him, it don't matter what people think about you. It don't matter how people talk about you. Now, you want people to like you. You want people to talk good about you. But how many of you know it ain't just a reality that everyone in the world's going to love you? If they hated him, they're going to hate you. But rejoice and be glad because you are now in him. He is in you. And you have great hope because his glory lives on the inside of you. So... It's important to see yourself that way. See yourself as a 10. See yourself in Him. Now, this morning I want to talk to you about in your control. Look at your neighbor and say, in your control. How do you remember the day, and I'm going to pause for the cause of thirst. But Jesus came into a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he saw his disciples and he said, you know, some say that I'm Elias and others say that I'm John the Baptist. But he wanted to know what they thought about him. And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he says, I've given you some keys. Now I want you to look at verse 19 of Matthew 16. Let's read it together, please. Ready? Read. And I will give unto you... The keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth Who is the understood subject of that sentence? You are. Who has he given the keys to? And what are we to do with those keys? We are to utilize them. Keys denote control, keys denote access keys denote authority. And he said, I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Now, whatever you bind here on earth, I'll back you up in heaven. 
If you'll take my word and my name and the power of my blood and the power of the Holy Spirit and put a stop on the enemy's attacks, I'll back you up. Amen. But not only that, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. How about loosen some angels? How about loosen the word of God? How about loosen the name above every name? So he stands ready to watch over his word to perform it. We could say in this context, he stands ready to watch over what do you, whatever you bind and whatever you loose to perform it. Amen. Now, a lot of people have what we call a no-fault religion. What is a no-fault religion? Well, no matter what happens, it's not my fault. <laughs> you know, whether it be good or whether it be bad, it's not my fault. Because after all... God is in control of everything. So you have that one side of the ditch. I mean, is God in control of everything? Really? You know? Is He in control whether you eat Cheerios or cornflakes? Is He in control whether you wear a black tie or a red tie? Not really. Uh-uh. And so this, this no-fault religion is... is it just, it lets people off the hook. In other words, if I have no responsibility, God's in control, or the devil made me do it, I'm just a helpless pawn. And what in the world am I supposed to do? What can I do with my life? No, in the context, he's given you authority. He's given you the reign. Amen? And whatever you bind is bound, and whatever you loose is loosed. Now, there's a lot of folks that uh, see, say that I just cannot control my mind. And this is the area I want to talk to you about this morning a little while, is you are in control of your mind. Say it with me. My mind is my mind. My mind is the mind of Christ. And I am in control of my mind. Just like you are in control of your remote control, and I know you know what a remote is. If you have something on television that you don't want to watch, what do you do? Change the channel. Well, as some thoughts of the enemy are coming to the city of your soul and harassing you and tormenting you, you've got the power to change the channel. You've got the power to think the thoughts of God. And then there are other people who say, oh, Lord, help me do that. Help me, help me. What they really mean is, Lord, do it for me. You know, there's people that say, Lord, help me get out of debt. Help me get out of debt. As they pull their credit card out and use it every day. All right, help me lose weight. Help me lose weight as they eat a whole pecan pie. Oops. What they're really saying is, Lord, do it for me. Do it for me. Now, Brother Jimmy and I love to eat. We went to the A's playoff game last year and watched the Tigers and the A's. And, and uh, Brother Jimmy was real talkative up until that second bratwurst he had. <laughs> we had a good time. So Brother Jimmy loves me. If I ask Brother Jimmy to come over to the house and say, Brother Jimmy, you know, we're going we're gonna to paint the outside of the house. Would you please come over and, and help me paint the house? 
well, what time do you want me to come? Well, come on about 10 o'clock in the morning. So Brother Jimmy shows up at 10 a.m. And I said, okay, Brother Jimmy, there's the paintbrush. There's the ladder. This is the color we want. Go ahead and start. And I go inside and start eating apple pie. No, Brother Jimmy is not helping me. Brother Jimmy is doing for me. If I really wanted Brother Jimmy to help me, I'd say, come on in the house. Let's eat this apple pie together and then we'll work together. You see, the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. And he is the one that is called alongside to help us. You have heaven's help to keep your mind stayed on him. And he'll help you do it. He said this in Isaiah 26, 3. He said, um, I will keep him in perfect peace. Now, here's the condition. If you will keep your mind stayed on me, the stain of the mind on him will bring perfect peace into your life. But if you're all around this way and that way, living currently, thinking worldly, and living according to the dictates of the flesh, there will not be peace. Not the peace that comes from him. Amen. And so we need to understand this this morning. And we need to look at it just a little while. Are you ready? That was a long introduction, but that might have been 25% of my message. Hallelujah. And so one area that we control is our mind. Turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would. And notice with me in verses 4 through 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. But our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down. Years ago, people thought strongholds were those spirits up in the heavenly places. And there's some truth in that. And so they would go to the highest building in the city and they would have a prayer meeting and they would pull down strongholds. And, you know, let that be as it may, I'm not criticizing that. But I've discovered this, that the greatest stronghold that people have in their lives is right here between their ears. If you look at the context of that, he says in the next verse, casting down imaginations. What do the thoughts of the enemy bring into your mind? They bring images. What do the thoughts of God bring into your soul? Images. Those imaginations, those images, and those high things that exalt themselves against the Word of God, that don't align themselves with the Word of God or the purposes of God, the Bible says we're to pull them down. And we are to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Some say, well, I just can't do that. I beg to differ with you. You can. You may not want to do that. I beg your pardon, you may be too lazy to do that. And I love you. Whether you're lazy or diligent, don't get me wrong. But he has placed this in your control. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Not all thoughts come from heaven. There are some very hellish thoughts that come from beneath. For every tear-filled thought that would imprison you, God has a faith-filled thought that will set you free. Amen? Amen. And so it becomes our responsibility then 
to become familiar with the Word of God and to differentiate between the thoughts of God and the thoughts of the enemy and our own thoughts. Any thought and every thought that contradicts God's thoughts, cast it down. Whatever you bind, whatever you stop. Thoughts of failure. I've had them. You've had them. You're a failure. You'll never make it. You're going to die with the disease in your body. You're, gonna, you're not going to make it. What do you do with that? You've got to identify that as a lie. Yeah. See, if Satan can deceive you, he can defeat you. And the number one way that he brings his deceptions are through his thoughts. Very subtle at first. Well, you know, Brother Jimmy has this and has that. You'll, I'll never have this. I'll never have that. It's a lie. You've got to identify the lie Take the sword of the Spirit out. Come on now. And put the devil on the run. He's already scared to death of you. Did you know that? And so, we need to realize that there are so many things that come into our lives that cause sometimes our emotions to be all over the place. I mean, let's get honest about it. How many have had days... Where you just woke up in the morning fresh as a daisy. And then you had other days where you woke up in the morning and felt like 40 miles of muddy road. I mean, it's just part of the human nature. You know, would to God that we just felt like who we are in Christ every day. But the truth of the matter is our feelings are fickle. And our emotions change. But you are not an emotion You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. And you are to take charge of your emotions rather than your emotions taking charge of you. Well, I feel depressed. I just, you know, I feel depressed. Well, the Bible says, put on the garment of praise. Well, I feel so weak, Pastor. I feel so weak. Well, let the weak say, I am strong. Don't let the weak say, I am weak and I'm getting weaker. Let the weak say when they feel weak, I'm strong and I'm getting stronger by the minute. I'd rather live that way than live up and down all the time. And and your feelings are real. Well, somebody said, well, pastor, you just don't know what I'm I'm going through. My, My emotions are just all over the place. Now listen to this statement. Our emotions are not created by what happens to us. Rather, our emotions are created by what we tell ourselves about what's happening to us. What are you telling yourself? What are you saying to yourself when the enemy calls you a loser? See, he's going to call you exactly what he is. Because he is a loser. If he tells you a loser at the other end of that lie is the truth. You are more than a conqueror through him that loves us. Hallelujah. So what are you telling yourself about yourself? Now, many of you out in the world experience being drunk. Okay. Now, we don't want to talk too much about being drunk because that's the old man. He's dead. Keep that old man down, right? But 
When a person is drunk, they call, they, they call them being under the influence. And being under the influence, people make bad decisions. They get in automobiles and drive when they shouldn't drive. They do things with their physical body that they shouldn't be doing. They go places where they shouldn't go. See, being under the influence absolutely causes our judgment to go south. Okay? Now, in the area of being under the influence of wrong thoughts... That is the opposite of sober thinking. And the Bible says we are to be loin, uh, gird up the loins of our mind and be sober. Sober in the way that we think. So that when decisions need to be made, we can make them with clarity. We can make them with wisdom because we've been drawing from the wisdom that is in us, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, the scripture says that the cares of this life will literally enter in and choke the word of God. Listen, I've been there. I've been so full of care and full of worry and full of fear. I mean, even as a Christian, that all of a sudden I started thinking wrong and making wrong decisions. And I'm not talking about, you know, things like adultery and different things like that. I'm just talking about being under pressure and making a decision under pressure that really wasn't the right decision because at that time my thinking was not sober. Are you connecting with this? And so it's very important to be sober in our thinking and not ever be under the influence of anything or anyone under the, the, other than the head of the church. Look with me, Ephesians chapter 4. And look at verse 22. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, says that you put off concerning the former conversation. That means your former behavior, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Verse 23. And be renewed where? And be renewed in the where? Did you know that when you were born again, your mind was the same? Did you know that when you were born again, your body was the same? What changed? Your spirit man. Now he's telling us, first and foremost, put off the old man and then get renewed in the spirit of your mind or renew your mind. And then verse 24 says this, and put on the new man, which is after God created in righteousness and what? Everyone say righteousness and true holiness. So off with the old and then on with the new. Off with the what? And on with the new. Put off the old and put on the new. Everybody knows when you change a baby's diaper, you don't just put a new diaper on over the old one. You'll say, surely he or she stinketh by now. But a lot of Christians do that. They hold on to their old manner of life, their old way of thinking, and then they want to put the new man on over the old man. It doesn't mix. That's where you get stinking thinking from. It's thinking out of line with the Word of God. Put off the old, put on the new. How many have ever really been cold before? Really, really cold. Maybe even in this service before. Or in this church before. And you're sitting there cold, and your husband or your friend says, here, put this coat on. 
And so you take the coat and you put it on. How many of you know that you don't get warm immediately? But what happens is you start warming up. Start warming up. You see, when you put on the new man and you start to get renewed in the spirit of your mind, you won't warm up overnight. But over the process of time, if you'll stay with this word and you continue in this word, it'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you walk. It'll make you just like him. And so I want to encourage you, especially if you're new to this, keep your coat long, long enough to warm up. Because it won't be long before you are. Somebody say amen. Amen. So then what we are doing then is we're developing a sound mind. Say with me, this is my mind. And my mind is sound. My mind is not weak. I have a sound mind. I have a well-balanced, calm mind. That's great, isn't it? Now, look over at Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 and verse 6. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and verse 6. Are you getting anything yet today? I'm giving you some things to do all week long. Now, notice this with me in verse 5. Ready? Read, please. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So there are those that are walking in the flesh that mind the things of the flesh, and whatever they put their mind on, they connect with. If you place your mind on carnality, you will connect with carnal worldly thinking and acting. But they that are after the Spirit, what do they do? They mind... The things of the Spirit. In other words, they're spiritually minded, not carnally minded. Now notice in verse 6. Read this please with me. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now listen to the statement. What I put and what you put your mind on is what you connect with. What I think on during the day is what I'll connect with. If I think lack and I think debt and I think disease, I'm going to see that in my life. If you think a bad marriage and, and, and dwell on how bad things are and how lousy things are, guess what? It's just only going to get worse and worse. It's time to change the channel. It's time to take the remote of God's Word, and turn it over onto the Word. Amen. Now, certainly, people have challenges in their marriage, and it doesn't just come by saying a few scriptures, but it comes by diligently being a doer of God's Word and submitting yourself to the counsel of His will and of His plan for your life. I know I'm preaching real good now. Now, say this with me. God's Word conveys God's thoughts. Now, what could God's thoughts do for me? What can God's thoughts do for you? One thought from heaven can fix your body. One thought from heaven can cause your babies to come into the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, one word from heaven can change your life forever. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. What could God's thoughts do for you? I believe this. 
You get enough of God's thoughts on the inside of you, it can cause you to prosper. Now notice in verse 12, and be not conformed to this world. Okay, we're not going to do that. But rather, we're going to be transformed by the renewing, and I love what Tony Cook says, not by the removing of our mind. That's what Eastern religions do, you know. You know, just forget everything and remove all, just empty your mind and just go, Om. Now we're not talking about the removal, we're talking about the renewal. Our mind needs to be restored. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. The Lord is my shepherd. He restoreth my soul. The Lord's word is working in me and causing my mind to be renewed and restored to think just like him. Hallelujah. Now, so there's a change that takes place. How many of you need some change in your life? You want things to change? Change stops here. Change starts at the top. The word transform simply means this. It means to change to another form, to transform, to transfigure. It's what Jesus did on the Mount of Transfiguration. What was on the inside of him showed up on the outside. And that's what God wants for our lives. What He's deposited in us, He wants to show up on the outside of our life. And it doesn't happen by the lottery. Listen, it doesn't even happen by meeting a nice girl or a nice man. Well, I know if I could just get hooked up and get this right person in my life, things would change. No, you'll be the same you were today than you were yesterday until you do something about yourself. Stop looking at other people to change you and look in the mirror and start changing yourself. Not by yourself, but by the help of Him. Amen. 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 Say amen if you could, please. Now, yesterday we celebrated six years of services here at Heart of the Bay Christian Center. Brenda and I and Pastor Tom, Kimberly, Pastor Nancy, we've all been here for years. 31, 32, some of them 33 years. And finally, praise God, in 03, we're able to purchase this building. Amen. Amen? And it took a while to go through the structural engineering and get the loan and all those things. But in August of 2007, on a Friday night, we had our first service. We wanted to try it out before Pastor Hagen came and dedicated it. Amen? We wanted to get all the bugs out for our beloved Pastor Hagen. Amen? Remember the dedication service? He did such a great job. He is an awesome pastor, by the way. He's my pastor. Now, how many remember this building before it was renovated? How many of you tore the theater chairs, helped with that out of here? How many of you remember that this place needed some serious renovation? There were walls that needed to be torn down. There were things that needed to be ripped up. There were things that needed to be removed and demolished. Amen. But look at this place now. 36,000 square foot to God be the glory. But my point is this. In your mind, there are things that need to be renovated. (laughs) There are things that need to be ripped out and torn up and removed. And that's why he's given you the keys. Stop putting up with those thoughts in your mind that don't line up with the word of God. 
Open your mouth and speak God's word. Don't try to outthink the devil. When he comes with his thoughts, just don't sit there and go, mm, uh, think about that a while. It'll not stop. Open your mouth and say what God's word says. Now, these last five minutes to six minutes of this teaching are very important. So who will listen very well now? We've been speaking 32 minutes exactly. And we'll probably go under 40. But what I'm about to share with you can change your life. Okay? Let me quote Joshua 1.8 to you, and you could put it up. He says, This book of the law, or the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Not just Sunday. You changed yet? I don't think so shall meditate therein day and night. The word meditate means to ponder, to think upon. It actually means to talk to yourself. So we're encouraged to think the word, speak the word, and talk the word. Now notice what happens. As a result of that, you will begin to observe or to see something. You will be able to see how you can do what you have been meditating on. Amen? Words paint pictures. And then he said, the result of this is this. Then you will make your way prosperous. You can make it in him, through him, through the word of God. You will make your way prosperous and thou shalt have good, what? See, a lot of folks want the prosperous and they want the success but they don't want to do the front part of the verse. Now, let's look at another one. Let's look over at 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I want you to notice verse 15. We're going to look at it in the King James Version. First of all, then we're going to look at it in the Amplified. Somebody shout yes. Yes. Yes what? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, to your ways and to your plan. Yes, Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul was a a great apostle of God. He had a son. His name was Timothy. And he instructed Timothy in the ways of God, in the plans of God, and in the purposes of God. And in the context of 1 Timothy chapter 4, he's instructing Timothy about several things concerning ministry. And here's what he says. I want you, Timothy, to think upon, to talk upon, and to meditate upon the things that I've said to you. Now notice... He said, give yourself, how much? Give yourself partially to them. If you give yourself partially to him, you will get partial results. That thy profiting may appear to all. I want my profiting to appear. How about you? I want my profiting to show up. But my prophet is not going to show up unless I do the first part of the verse, which is to meditate upon these things. For it is the meditation upon these things that will enable me to see what God has said, to do what God has said, and then his progress will show up in my life. And listen, God's no respecter of persons. I want to read it from the Amplified Version. Notice this from the Amplified, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Brenda brought this up to me uh, in between service. 
He said, practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them as your ministry, so that your progress may be evident to everybody. Oh, that's good. It was meditation, right? But now the profiting of it is going to be seen. That sounds like transformation to me. Now turn quickly over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And notice with me in verse 18. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, the 18th verse says this, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. What this is saying is when we open up the Word of God, we see the glory of God, and as we behold it, and as we look at it, something's going to happen. Aren't you glad? What happens is that we are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, you said you want some change. If you want some change, do some beholding. Do some looking. Glory to God. Years ago, I heard this statement, and it has literally uh, impacted my life. And I've, I've seen this happen over and over again in my life. And that is this. What I behold, I will become. What I look at long enough, I will connect with. What I behold will either change me for good or change me for bad. Say it with me. What I behold is what I will become. Now let me quote this to you in Psalm 20, uh, Proverbs 23, 7. He says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen? So things don't just happen on our life accidentally. No, things happen in our life in accordance to what we've been sowing into our lives. See, it's true, positive or negative. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. How many of you know if you sow some kindness, sooner or later you're going to reap some kindness? But if you walk around with a bitter spirit and you walk around where people don't want to be around you, you're a bummer to be with, guess what? You're going to reap that in your life sooner or later. What you behold is what you become. Now, in closing, turn with me to Psalms 1. Did you wear your shouting clothes? Look with me at Psalms 1, and we'll begin at verse 1. Psalms 1 said, Blessed is the man. Amplified says, Happy is that man. To be envied is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. How many of you know that the counsel of the ungodly is in direct proportion or is directly connected to the spirit of this world? I'm going to go beyond five minutes. Forgive me. I didn't lie. I just exaggerated. I'm fixing. I, got, I married a southerner. I'm fixing the clothes. But you should be more concerned about what you're getting rather than closing. He said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. There is so much ungodly counsel out there. Some of these folks with PhDs, I think it means post hole digger. And I like PhDs, don't get me wrong. 
The real ones. I like doctors. The real ones. But a lot of these folks that just hang a shingle out and want to give you counsel straight from the pit of hell, the Bible says you're happy if you don't walk there. Because here's what they'll tell you. It's okay to smoke marijuana if you're in pain. Just go get yourself some medical marijuana. It's okay. Since when is it okay to get high on anything other than the most high? Here's what they'll tell you. They will tell you literally, look, everybody's doing it in the world. Listen, if it feels good, do it. Not everything that feels good is good or is godly. Oh, yeah, it's, it's okay, you know. I mean, a little pornography is okay. I mean, you know, after all, everybody does it. No. Not even a little pornography is okay. Not even looking at a woman with lust in your heart is okay. If your eye offends you, you pluck it out. If your hands offend you, you cut it off. So don't walk there. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. How many of you know that it's okay to be a witness to sinners? But if you go their way and go where they go, you better watch out. That you don't get sucked into what they're doing. The worst place to witness to a sinner is in a bar. Yeah, but I've been off alcohol 25 years. Yeah, and you're one drink away from being an alcoholic. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2. Verse 2. But his, this happy man. Say it with me. I'm getting a happy meal. And I'm a happy man. Like the duck commander says, is everybody happy, happy, happy. But his delight, it's in the word of God. And in this word, does he meditate day and night? He's thinking about it. He's talking it. He's pondering it. It's building an image of who he is and what he has in Christ. He's beginning to see it down here. Now notice the next verse. And he shall be. And he shall be. What you behold is what you become. And he shall be. If you'll behold this word, you shall be. What shall I be? I shall be what I've been holding. What have I been beholding? I've been holding the, beholding the word of God. And I shall be. And your family shall be like a tree. Now notice, this planted. You know, it's really good to be planted in this day and this age. There's so much instability out there. The Bible says that wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. And when you're planted by the rivers of water, you're getting your nurturance, your nutrition and your sustenance from the water of life. But not only that, you'll bring forth fruit in His season. One thing that God wants for our lives is to be fruitful. Our leaf will not wither. Amen. We'll get fatter and fatter and we'll flourish in the courts of our God. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about getting fat spiritually and being able to have people bear fruit from our lives. His leaf shall not wither. And whatever he doeth shall prosper. Remember this, your take home is this. 
you have more control over your mind than you thought of before. You can behold the law of liberty and experience liberty in your life. Let's stand up, everybody. If you wouldn't mind, just raise your hands toward heaven. I want to lead you in a profession of faith. Say it with me real strong. Father God, I have seen in your word that I have control, that I've been given dominion. And whatever I bind on earth, you back me up in heaven. Therefore, right now, I take the name above every name the name of Jesus and I bind up any principality any rulers of darkness any lies of the enemy I put a stop on those now and I demand you to desist in your maneuvers against my soul this is my mind I declare today I take ownership this day that I have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Father, that I can cast down all images that do not align themselves with the image of God in me. And now, Father, I choose your word all week long. Help me to see what I've not yet seen. Help me to hear what I've not yet heard. I pray the eyes of my heart would be flooded with light. I know you said in your word that what I behold is what I will become. How I think, how I believe, and how I speak is what I will be. So I choose as a blessed man, as a blessed child of God, to meditate in your word day and night. And I shall be just like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Thank you, Lord.